Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. You can also find us on Blurred.com. They have a lot of great content there, other podcasts as well. Check them out. And if you are a creator, please reach out to them. Reach out to us and we can try to get we can try to get you on there. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm finally joined by Mel and Marquita at the same time. It's like a perfect storm. I know, right? I need like that radio like hand claps. <laughs> <laughs> the planets have aligned. Yeah. For the maybe the only time. It's a national holiday here. Yeah. So. That's true. Yeah. But hey, good to see you, Marquita. It's good to see you too, Mel. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you guys on. Today, we're here to talk about Joker, not the Joker, but Joker. We're going to give a brief non-spoiler review, and then we're going to dive into the spoilers later on, and if the ladies are brave, we'll try to give our own Joker laughs. Yeah, I didn't agree to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe not, maybe not, we'll see. Okay, this movie was written by Todd Phillips. And for those who don't know that name, he directed the Hangover series. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Yeah, he did. And Old School. Yeah, this is really a departure for and him. And Road Trip. Yeah, this is really a departure can, for him. You can just see, like, the, the Honest trailer. You know, the mm-hmm. screen junkies, like, from the directors of Road Trip, Old School, and the Hangover series comes one of the darkest comic book movies <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yeah, he's really... Doing a 360 on this, isn't it? Or 180 on this, not 360. He really is. I thought Jordan Peele had this monopoly on comedic directors turning dark. But now, Todd Phillips is adding his uh, his name to the list. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they say that the flip side of comedy is horror, so I could see that. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, as we'll talk about maybe in this movie. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. This was co-written by Scott Silver, who wrote... The Fighter, and Eight Mile. This All of this just begs the question, how did they get the job? Like, <laughs> how do you look at those resumes and say, you know what, you'd be perfect for Joker? No, I think for Scott Silver, who's mm-hmm. writing these kind of troubled white male narratives, that absolutely makes sense. That's yeah, fair enough, about, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Todd Phillips, mm, yeah, I agree with yeah. you on that. Either way, it just... I, I guess, you know, if anything, take if you don't take anything else away from this view, take away that you should shoot your shot artistically because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at Jordan Peele, though. I mean, he had mm-hmm. a very successful comedy show and he wants to pitch a black horror film. Yeah, I mean, but I think he had to fund it himself to make it. Fair. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but it was phenomenal. It was. But, yeah, you don't get a chance to mess up in that situation. But yeah. we'll get there. Will we? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Let's get started with the non-spoiler review. So I'm not sure about you guys, but I think the most striking difference about this iteration of the Joker compared to any other representation of the character on screen is that his motivations are so personal. Heath Ledger was an agent of chaos and just wanted to watch the world burn. Mark Mm -hmm. Hamill's version varied whenever the writers needed. You know, every once in a while, it was personal, like Return of the Joker, that Batman Beyond film. But other times, he was just out for money. Or other times, he just had zany plots like The Laughing Fish. Jack Nicholson was just a gangster who turned crazy and wanted to kill a lot of people. 
Cesar mm-hmm. Romero's campiness from the, the 1966 Batman was completely kooky. Yeah, but, they didn't even do origin stories back then. So, right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in, in contrast, this movie is very human yeah. and gritty and raw. Arthur Fleck, who is played by Joaquin Phoenix, who becomes a Joker, not Jack Napier, is seriously impoverished and malnourished. He works at a dead-end job in a dirty city. You all saw the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just lives with and takes care of his mom. There's nothing grandiose about that compared to the over-the-top representations that we're used to. True, yeah. I think it had to be that way, though. The Jokers never really had an origin story in the sense that a lot of other supervillains have. So if you're going to tell that, you've got to create a personal motivation. So I think that makes a lot of sense that they did it this way. You mean that, and you mean on screen, you mean? Yeah, on screen, precisely, okay. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. In the vein of being human and personal, the violence is... Again, very raw, very visceral. Heath Ledger had the magic trick with the no-name henchman, right? Oh, yeah. He talked about how knives are more personal, but we never saw that really play out. He only cut up Michael Jai White during his Why So Serious monologue. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, every single violent act, you truly feel it for me. I'm just reviewing in my head. Do you agree? I, I'm just trying to think. Was there any mindless, truly mindless violence perpetuated by the Joker in this film? Mm. Uh, when I think about it, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Everything had a reason. Yeah, yeah. Every everything had a personal connection. Mm. Right. Which is a really good point. I hadn't thought of it. And and when it happens, you're you're right there. It doesn't cut away. You sit with it. With right. the author. There were at least three instances where I dropped my jaw at some of it, even if I knew it was coming. Yeah. There was only one where I did, but, you know, this movie is very violent, but I think what makes it harsh is that it is harsh and serious violence. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this last night after I saw the film. Well, technically, Deadpool's more violent than this movie, but... Deadpool's not personal and it's not serious. Yeah. So you don't take it as horribly. This violence is none of this violence is played for laughs or played for stakes. It's all, like you said, personal. Right. And Joaquin Phoenix, truly outstanding in this role. And it really is all about him. The movie never leaves him, in contrast to other comic book movies where the director will cut to check in and update us on what other characters are or villains are doing when they're not interacting with the main character. Mm. Literally everything is seen from author's point of view the whole time. True. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I I really can't think of any other, even smaller budget films, that do that in in, in a comic book setting. Yeah, no no comic book films, no. There's other types of films, sure. But yeah, but I think this this kind of marks a departure from the quote-unquote regular comic book movie. Absolutely. Um, because it's trying to be so serious and it's trying to tell a story that's much bigger than what most comic books try to uh, attempt to tell. Right. That said, um, yeah, it... Yeah, I agree with you for the most part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, but the reason I said that said and was going to go into something else, I'm not sure if I should say this here or not, but... You mean um, a spoiler or not? It's not or? a spoiler, okay. yeah. It's not a spoiler. It's just a comment on the process. So I was reading a lot about this last night after seeing the film because I was curious as to how they made the movie. Mm-hmm. 
particularly because of how uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker looks. He's got a really distinctive look, which I think is a spoiler, and we'll talk about that later. Um, But apparently, because of some of the things he did to prepare for this role physically, it was dangerous to make for him to make this movie essentially and they made the movie they didn't write the script he didn't have the full script before they made the movie basically joaquin phoenix and the the script writers worked on the script together while they were making the movie so they didn't they had like a general outline of the story but all of those details and things that's part of why the movie just follows him all of that just comes from the fact that they only had him for a limited period of time. They could not do reshoots. They could not change anything about the movie. The movie they made was the movie they had. So, wow. yeah, so that's kind of why it's like that, I think, also. There was no opportunity to do any of that. Wow. I didn't know that there was such a sense of urgency because watching it, like, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but watching it, I I don't know how other people felt, but I felt as though uh, his performance was really in the mindset of the Joker, or at least of some version of the Joker. Like, you know, it it just, I feel like even though I didn't, I knew that he had went through a lot to prepare for the role, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how, just how much it was and how dangerous it was for him. Mm-hmm. But I think some part of me could like feel like, wow, like this, this is, this is real. He really committed. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that maybe you listeners can detect this is a virtuoso performance, but it's not a cheerful one at all. We're all very low key talking about this. We all saw this last night or yesterday. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. At different times in different places. Wednesday night. Korea time. Right. Wednesday night, Korea time. And, um, it's not. It's a virtuoso performance, but it's very, very affecting because we're all so low key even talking about it now. It's really hard to put your finger on what makes it so yeah. affecting, but it really is. Like it's hard to explain. It's effective. It's unsettling. Mm-hmm. Very. Absolutely. I want to go on a little bit. Talk about his laugh too. Mm. His laugh is also distinct from other iterations, not simply because of how it sounds, but why he is laughing in the first place. All right. Mm-hmm. And some of that is in the spoilers. I don't want to go into that too right. much. Yeah, because that was a big shock for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. But even in the trailer, you see that sometimes his facial expressions, he's almost fighting serious pain mm-hmm. while laughing. This mm-hmm. isn't the uninhibited joy you're used to with the Joker. You know, Mark Hamill's iconic laughter was mm-hmm. never sad. Yeah, there's nothing silly about this Joker. No. I think all of the previous iterations of the Joker have had some camp attached to them, starting with, you know, so you said Cesar Romero, I think right. it is, yeah, in the right. old Batman TV show. They've always had some camp attached. There is absolutely no camp at all involved in this Joker. Not at all. Not at all. Really, I mean, we talk about the transformation, but his facial expressions are just gripping at times, often. You don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. He was quite... Like, I found it very unpredictable. And for me, I'm not a big fan of, like, unpredictability. Like, you know, I don't want to say jump scares or something like that. But <clears throat> but um, I think uh, his his laughter, it was so unsettling for me. And um, I think uh, in, the, in the theater, I'm not going to spoil, of course, we're not going to spoil anything, but in the theater, like, 
a lot of uh, I know it's a lot of Koreans <laughs> in the theater because I feel like they're they're not used to such an unsettling character. I noticed like a lot of uh, couples in the theater with me, and they're like, oh, oh, like they, you know, a lot of them were getting a little shocked and whatnot, especially when he did unpredictable things, which right. we'll talk about, and. Uh, I think I saw some people covering their eyes. Oh, I definitely saw that. Yeah. I did, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I like I was that. You know, I wasn't scared, but I was just like, "Oh, what's gonna happen next?" Oh God, like mm. you know that kind of thing. So I, I think all in all, I even though for me it's not my favorite movie. Like it obviously it's not my favorite movie, but it's not my favorite villain hero type of movie. It's still I think. For me, Joaquin Phoenix had a really good performance overall. Sure. Like, I'm not going to forget him. Um, mm, not at all. No. That's unforgettable. Yeah. Um, definitely should get some Oscar buzz, for sure. It should. Yeah, I mean, it is a virtual performance. It's That's some acting acting, definitely. Yeah. There are only several other major supporting characters. Major. Zazie Beetz, his neighbor. Robert De Niro plays Murray Franklin, a TV host who author adores, and Francis Conroy as his mother. There's one more who I don't want to spoil, but DC fans will certainly be intrigued with that. And it actually could be polarizing. I think it will be. Yeah. But they were all perfectly cast, but they're used just enough to let the main character shine more, for lack of a better word. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'll contrast this with our last movie we reviewed, uh, Ad Astra, where the characters were not very fleshed out. Mm-hmm. You didn't care about their fates as mm-hmm. well as how they affected the main character. Mm-hmm. We definitely felt much more for these people. You do. There's a really interesting sense of empathy in this whole film, really. Um, with the supporting characters, it's really notable because you can't really root for anybody in this film, but you do have a sense of understanding of where they're coming from, even if you don't. You're not on anybody's side. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, there's a really interesting sense of empathy, and that the way that the characters are fleshed out, I think demonstrates that it's hard to like anybody here well to be honest the the blurred up the only people i empathized with were the black people (laughs) (laughs) i'm serious fair enough and maybe maybe we'll get into that and obviously we'll get into some of that in the spoiler section Mm -hmm. but um yeah you know paperboy's in this oh that's right yeah i almost forgot Mm -hmm. and he's just just chilling a clerk you know What's weird to me about Paperboy, that's not his real name, but we all know him as Paperboy. Yeah. Um, but what's weird to me about Paperboy is that he always sounds like Paperboy when he's in movies. But if you've ever heard that dude just talk regularly in interviews, he doesn't sound like that at You're all. You're very right. Like, it's really weird. Was that just his acting voice? It's so strange. Didn't he go to like an Ivy League school or he something? He did. He went to Ivy League schools. He's, yeah. you know, he's very much, he reminds me, if you've ever seen Hollywood Shuffle, yeah, yeah. He reminds me of the Robert Townsend character in the the black acting school sketch. Where he's like, "Oh no, boss, you can't have my paper." Actually, so when I was in the school, what they taught me to do was exactly. to put on a Negro voice. Exactly. That's exactly how he sounds. It's so weird. <laughs> Speaking of black people, the way they used black women in this movie oh. was—I um, want to save that for the sports section, actually. Yeah, especially with we with, have with, with you two this. here. Um. The other surprising aspect of this film, besides the just the departure from the other Joker iterations, are the twists. I thought this was going to be a straightforward film. Some some things are obviously telegraphed. However, that may have been 
and intentional deception for the gut punches that come later. I literally had a huge complaint in my notes while watching the film, but by the end of the film, it became invalid because of a certain twist. Mm. And I'm sh- I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. We'll discuss that in the spoiler section. Maybe, yeah. Do you guys have any other positive things to say about the movie? This is a beautifully shot movie. Yeah, I feel like I true. got more of the storytelling from watching than mm-hmm. I did from listening to any other dialogue. The mm-hmm. cinematography is amazing, the use of color. And it's not, okay, it's a beautifully shot movie, but it is not a beautiful movie. Mm. Gotham City so dirty. I itched watching this whole thing. It's mm. so greedy and dirty and it really just the scene is so set where you just don't want to be there. Yeah. You're it, there's such a sense of creeping discomfort and unease in this movie and part mm. of it is just the way it looks. It's just a nasty nasty place to live. There's nowhere that looks comfortable or inviting. Essentially because, you know, we reviewed the original Batman 89. All right, yeah. And I actually just watched Batman uh, returns for the first time in a long time mm-hmm. uh, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And those cities still feel like sets, whereas right. this movie feels like a real yes. breathing place. Yeah, it feels like a real nasty, horrible city that, you know, is over overrun with poverty and cruelty. And rats. Yeah. You know, I don't think you actually ever see any rats, but they're all just out of the frame waiting to make their debut. You can just feel it. Like, I seriously, I itched every time he stepped in the subway. It was just gross. But it that was such a crucial part of the story. Like mm. the way the the way the film looked was so crucial to the storytelling and the way that they used color. Um, I'm sure there is some first year film student somewhere like having a an, an, an a moment of ecstasy over the way that they used color to, to connect characters to each other and to show that some characters weren't connected to each other. That was really good. I think the way it looked was just beautiful. Absolutely. You guys have said it all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the part where I talk about negatives, but personally, as a movie alone, mm-hmm. I don't really have any negatives for this movie. Yeah, okay. I, I see that. I For me, this movie is like... Okay, this is a strange comparison to draw, and I know it, but bear with me, okay? SpongeBob, the movie. No, uh, no but not too far off. Oh, For me, wow. this movie's a little bit like Frozen and Refrigerator Oats and uh, Apple products. It's not, it, it's awesome to somebody, but not me. But the fact that it's awesome to somebody makes it worth paying attention to. It was entertaining. It was. It didn't resonate with me on a deep personal level, although I think it will resonate with somebody. For better or worse. But just yeah. not me. Yeah, but just not me. I mean, there's def- like I said, there's a really palpable sense of empathy and understanding in this movie, even if you're not meant to be rooting for any of these people. But even with that, I I wasn't bored. I was just not invested. I I appreciated the film. Sorry, let me say that again. <clears throat> I appreciated the film, but I don't know if I liked it. It just didn't speak to me on a really deep personal level because I personally am not cruel. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like those are more your, your closing thoughts than like a negative. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, just thinking in terms of is this movie good or not good, then, mm. it, then it becomes a negative there. Mm. I have other closing thoughts. Maybe that is also part of my closing thoughts, but right. yeah. I think Mel put into words what I've because like for me it's just about the character like I just keep going back to to the character and Joaquin Phoenix's performance and that's about it so I think I feel I feel in a similar way like 
I can appreciate the skill that it took to make this movie. But I like I said, it's not like one of my favorite movies. Like, right. I'm not going to, you know, say, oh, OK, well, I guess I'll watch the Joker to kill time, you know, or something, you know, that kind of thing. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a it's an impactful watch, but not a particularly impressive one. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good character movie. It was a, a good version of fleshing out his character. But mm-hmm. beyond that, it was just, for me, it was okay. True. I'll also say this. I love Batman. I talked about that in the Batman 1989 review. But the Joker has never been my favorite Batman villain. I think if I was more into the Joker and into the Joker mythology, and if I wasn't, if I didn't have such strong superhero movie fatigue right now, mm. I might look at this very differently. Who's your favorite Batman villain? My favorite Batman villain? Ooh, good question. Uh, maybe Talia al Ghul. Maybe Clayface. I really always loved the Clayface story, even though that's not necessarily a huge, that's not one of the main mm-hmm. pers- people in the rogues gallery. Oh, there's a few, actually. Yeah, probably one of the al Ghuls. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's close it out because I do want to get into the spoilers, Of course, right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, I think if you isolate the movie mm-hmm. from society, it's a good movie. I think it's focused. It's generally enthralling. Just everyone was firing on all cylinders. However, <laughs> I feel exactly the way that Mel and, and Marquita feel. Will I be watch this movie? Maybe it's going to take, it's, maybe it'll be a year or something. I need to just take some time away yeah. and just maybe rewatch this again. Yeah. But it isn't an easily rewatchable movie for me at all. I'll probably only watch it once mm-hmm. again just to kind of finalize how I feel about it. Right. I understand that. Like Endgame came out this year. And of course, I could probably watch that once a year at this point. Mm, yeah. Right. Or Black Panther. I can rewatch that all the time. Yeah. This doesn't have that for me. But as you said, this may be that something for a lot of people. There's some certain people, we'll talk about them maybe in the spoiler section, mm-hmm. that this may be their new taxi driver or their new, you know, Scarface, you know. But I think not even just that kind of person. Um, I think also just, I think to an extent, because we're, we've all lived overseas and we all have for some time, I think we're insulated from certain pressures of yes. daily life in America. I think this is going to resonate a lot more with people in America generally than it might with us because even though that cruelty definitely exists, that kind of cruelty and that kind of social for- forgetfulness, uh, social the kind of being neglect. discarded, but yeah, social neglect, that's a better okay. word. That kind of social neglect does exist where we live now. We don't see it. We've all got jobs and social lives that insulate us very heavily from that where we live whereas if we were all living in america let's be real we are all black folk we all are hood adjacent (laughs) okay so we would be seeing this in a much more palpable daily life kind of way and i think that that insulates us in a way so it's not going to have the same impact it does for average the average joe or rakim or whoever who is living in america right now um i i just I think we need to, I don't know, this sounds a little strange, but I think we need to recognize our privilege in that way. I think this is not going to resonate with us the same way as it does with some people. I agree. I mean, the themes are, um, as you said, social neglect, Mm -hmm. how we deal with mental health. There is kind of class warfare in there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, on, on on 
those levels, I definitely feel that. I don't I don't personally feel like I need to be in America to feel that. Right. My my whole thing kind of now is was this needed given the current times? Maybe. And I guess that's what I'm talking about is that even though you don't need to be in America to feel that, we're not being confronted with that every single day mm. in the same way that somebody in America is right now. I mean, just whenever you go back and visit even when you're talking to people, just the things are changing in America in a lot of ways. And I think that it's much e- For example, right now, if one of us passes out in the middle of this particular podcast, we've got health care. Yeah. It's not a worry for us. Right. Right. Um, there's other things we're not insulated from, of course. There sure. are certainly difficulties to being an expat, but... A black expat. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But that said, I mean, we're just, we're insulated from some of the basic, this, this, from that sort of changing reality of daily living in America. And that's what I'm talking about, I think. I think it's going to resonate with people who weren't already aware of this, but who have noticed the circumstances of their life changing. I will say that even though we do have, you know, single payer health care here, mm-hmm. mental health care is... Oh, it's abysmal it's here. It's lacking, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's expensive. Yeah. yeah. And also, True. too, just the culture of violence, like... Korea doesn't have guns, mm-hmm. so we don't have like me watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I was scared enough in certain aspects, especially the last act. But I can only imagine being a black person in an American movie theater, mm-hmm. and you see people who don't look like you mm-hmm. in the theater, and you're wondering, you know, what may happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a worry for everybody. I think it's more of a worry for us, but I yeah. think it's a worry for everybody. Sure. Full disclosure, before we get into this, I'm going to tell you guys right now, the the Dark Knight shooting, that's my home theater. Wow. I'm from Denver. So what? yeah, exactly. That's my home theater. I'm from Denver. I was living in England when it happened, and I remember seeing it on the TV screen during a break at work and being completely shocked. Yeah. But I'm from Montbello. Whoop, whoop, the bellows. There's like two people from there listening, maybe. Um <laughs> I'm from Montbello, and our closest movie theater was The Century 16, which I think is just called The Century. Now it's still there. I visited when I was home this summer. Um, but yeah, so that's my home theater. So I've got a pretty personal connection to the whole idea of like right. theater shootings, that, that whole situation. Uh, not, I wasn't living there at the time. I didn't know anybody who was there. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm very familiar with that place. Sure. So, and, and because of that, I want to, I guess, say that it, it's, an, it's not just an issue for us. It's an issue. People who are crazy and shoot people shoot everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's more of a problem for us because if we are shot, then nobody cares. That's you get 10 point. years in jail. That's all. Oh. Uh, yeah, that happened today, y'all. I don't know when this is coming out, but yeah. Yeah, I just. R.I.P. both of them. Anyway. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. how many more of these white guy has a hard life become violent stories do we need? Like this is like anti-Iron Man. You're you're sucked into this performance, but you know he's not going to die. He's the Joker. Right. Phoenix already put out in interviews that he's down to do another movie. So this isn't mm-hmm. a spoiler. Like get over it. <laughs> you're it's, it's like you're 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 just captivated by his descent, what he does, and how he gets out of it, mm-hmm. like any other superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And with that kind of cynicism, and like, is do we really need that in in our society right now? I think we've had that so many times already, and I agree with you, but we haven't had one for this time necessarily in the same way. I thought it was clever that Robert De Niro was cast in the in the film, but I also it was also kind of a negative because the whole time I was like, I've seen Taxi Driver. I know exactly what's going to happen next. So, uh-huh. I mean, because this is just Taxi Driver with the supervillain. I never saw that movie. I, I never really? saw it either. I, oh, you should watch it. I well, downloaded maybe it. Maybe not. <laughs> I downloaded it so that mm-hmm. I could prepare for this a little more, but I mm-hmm. didn't have the time. There's a lot of parallels sure. and a lot in both visually and story-wise and character-wise. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I again, I contrast this with Ad Astra, you know, a man who had a rough start and negative outlook on life, but he grows from that. Like, mm-hmm. that's something that society needs. That's something that, that men, mm-hmm. white and so whatever, or mm-hmm. otherwise, mm-hmm. need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we talk about, is it needed? I mean, of course, very few comic book movies are necessary, right? However, you know, even if we weren't big fans of Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. more than most comic book films, you know, a summer after Trump was inaugurated, it was certainly important in a symbolic sense. Um, Black Panther had a major issue for me in hindsight, but in 2018, it was very important for black people to have that too. Yeah. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, like I said, we, you know, let me put on my sunglasses, Mm -hmm. live in a society (laughs) where these kinds of cultural events can negatively affect some people that lead to violence and other kinds of problems. Yeah, so, that was kind of the overarching thesis of the movie, wasn't it? We live in a society. You could almost hear it in the background yeah. during certain scenes. <laughs> like, I'm telling you all, I guarantee my U.S. moviegoers that while you're watching this movie, you're going to start looking for the exit throughout the film. You're going to start looking around at fellow moviegoers watching their movements. You're going to be cautious leaving the theater and getting into your cars to go home. And that's just, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we go on, did you want to say any, any closing thoughts, Makita? Um, no, you guys have cleared it up. Okay. <laughs> all right. I mean, seriously, I think you guys can hear. We're all really unsettled about this movie yeah. in a lot of ways. It was a good movie, technically, and with all, like like you said, it's an, in isolation, it's a good movie, but it's just unsettling on a deeper level in some ways. And that, maybe that is its artistic triumph, but you know, it's difficult to talk about in a way. The, yeah. sc- the, uh, the screen junkies, they said that if you took away the Joker's name mm-hmm. and, you know, the DC name to it and just had just a character study, then it would be okay. Mm-hmm. Because it's attached to such a pop culture icon, mm-hmm. it really, it is more impactful and, and may resonate with the wrong people, like more of them. You know, already we know the Joker is kind of a celebrated character within kind of white motorist, incel kind of culture for for being a person who doesn't have any rules. Oh, I didn't know that. And of course, you know, white men feel so oppressed by all these new rules society is imposing on them. Mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'll save some of the quotes for the spoilers, but. I'd, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the quotes from this mo- movie are found in some murderer's metaf- manifesto yeah. in the oh, future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's 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 keep going. Um, this movie is looking to break records at the box office for October. Uh, I got this from Yahoo News. Currently, do you know what movie has the highest opening weekend in October? Oh, it came out last of year. All time? Yes, Gosh. it came out last year. It's a hint. Another comic book movie. Oh, oh of course it is. Uh, what came out last October? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Uh, Venom. Oh, really? Really? Yep. Oh, actually, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Venom holds the domestic opening weekend box office record, currently with $80.2 million. Wow. And apparently... That's so wild. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that was such a shit movie. Well, it's just, I mean, the, the contrast. Last year, we were talking about Venom, which was the best comic book movie of the 90s. And, you know, now we're talking about Joker, which I mean, comic is... Book. 
character, you mean? Or... No, I mean Venom was the best comic book movie of the 90s. Unfortunately, it came out in 2018, but it was the best comic book movie of the 90s. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. got it. I got <laughs> okay. you. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So... I could totally see that. I can yeah, totally understand. That. Exactly. And now, a year later, we're watching Joker, which is the, I don't know, there's no easy way to encapsulate what it is, but it's so, it's so polarly opposite of Venom, which was Tot- goofy and silly and totally. kind of trying to be dark, but just couldn't really get there. No. And now you've got Joker, which has, which is just grim and relentless. And the whole time you're, you're just face down in the toilet bowl of this guy's life. I mean, mm. what is this? How did we get here? Yeah. I'm gonna need Frozen Two to come out real soon to Frozen Two to... like the Joker for me. That's <laughs> the problem. Yeah. I need some positivity. Like. Yeah. Anyway, um, that eighty million is on the low end of what Warner Brothers is projecting for this movie, mm-hmm. which is between eighty and ninety-five million. And this is what industry people call a mid-budget movie. The budget is fifty-five million dollars reportedly. Mm. So whether it hits that low or high end of its bud- of its uh, box office projection, it'll be successful in the end. Of course. Yeah. I mean, but everybody was expecting that. Yeah. And again, it's sure. not that it doesn't deserve to make its money. Yeah. It does deserve to make its money. It's just, does it deserve to become embedded in our culture? Yeah. I guess that's the question. Well, at the very least, mm-hmm. it'll kind of, kind of like Logan, kind of, it's kind of refreshing to see a different kind of comic movie. I, I mean, agree. Oh yeah, okay. That's an interesting comparison. That's yeah. that's really all I I'm interested in. Like you can tell different stories now. Oh yeah, okay, that's true. And they yeah. can be successful. Very true. And that is that is definitely hopeful and helpful. You right. can you can give an auteur a character and let them do whatever they want, mm. free from a cinematic universe, and just do a project. Yeah, oh, fair enough. Although I did hear that this is meant to be the beginning of a new cinematic universe of villain origin stories that is going to be DC but not attached to the main DC universe, which cool. yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, it'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't know that I want to watch super villain movies. Okay. Before we go on, okay. I just, I'm just <laughs> going to bring this up. Are, mm-hmm. there, are there any villain origin stories you would like to see get this kind of treatment? Well, that's just it. No, not outside of the mitigating factor of a superhero as well. I don't mind supervillain stories. I just don't have a particularly... I don't know that I have a particularly heavy tolerance for mindless cruelty. Mm. And I feel like supervillain origin stories, because at their base, their their foundations are such are so silly, that's what it's going to turn into no matter what it is you... how No matter how much of an auteur the person making the movie is... Basing just, I I don't know. I think it has the potential to to go really wrong really quickly. Okay, sure. Yeah, I need superheroes to define supervillains. Okay, sure. Yeah. Before we go into the spoiler part of the show, I want to share results from a poll on the Blurred Up page that you can oh, find B L E R D U P, asking people of color and women in the states whether they were going to see the movie on opening weekend, and with 100 votes given, 41 voted yes, and 59 voted no. That's remarkably even. Mm. Yeah. All right. We're going to go into spoilers now. Okay. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched this movie, please turn it off. Go watch the movie. Come back and see us. I think overall we give it a 
unsettled recommendation. <laughs> you, you know, I feel like I would have. In- this was an interesting movie to watch in the, the movie theater, but I would have enjoyed it at home too. <laughs> Same. Yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not. You don't need to go to the theater to see it unless you really are into the idea. And you want to gamble with, with your life. I don't know. I feel like let's not counter, let's not, not speak too much evil in the world. But it is, okay. yeah, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, let's not count our shooting chickens before they're hatched. Wow. <laughs> All right. Spoilers. Three, two, one. Here we go. I really have, Mike, my, my biggest question right now, and I'm glad you guys are here to like bounce this off with uh was this even real that's a really good question i wondered that actually i think the whole time like i don't want to be that kind of person that's like oh i knew it but as soon as like we found out that uh what, what's her name you guys say Beats. as soon as we found out that she was just a manifestation of his his delusions i was like fuck i knew it i knew it mm-hmm. like he it, it, and also his mom, they said that his mom had, uh, med, med, she was medically diagnosed with delusions mm-hmm. and narcissism and whatnot, right? And I felt like, wow, so he basically has the same, you know, the same kind of illness and disorders as his mom. And I right. thought, this woman is acting too perfect to this stranger. Yeah, I thought that too. There was a point where, like, I thought to myself, who raised her? Exactly. Zazzy Beats. Oh, Zazzy. I'm yeah. like, who raised her? What? So, what, who, what? You guys, you guys Does she getting, not have a black mama? I was you guys angry. Are getting ahead of me now. We oh, are. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But I mean, like, really, seriously. As quick, a black yeah. woman, we, okay, like, I was what? angry. You know like, black women lead. Let's Let's yeah. get to that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's a that's Go a ahead. that's a very good point, I think. I I agreed. Um, but did she even have a name in the context of the film? Uh, I think they said Did they ever give her a name? They said her name. I don't I, know. Maybe, maybe they met in the elevator and then they just kind of walked off. Yeah, but, but I don't cuz I don't remember her I name. Was, well, I yeah, can call exactly. her Zazzy Beats. Yeah, exactly. I, that's the same. I don't remember if she had a name or not. Mm. So when it's exposed that she is basically his Now, is she entirely his delusion? Or does she exist and he's been imagining the good parts of their relationship? Well, let's let's this is, go this back is to, okay. the, uh, to the okay. original point then. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I wasn't sure if she was completely imaginary or just partially. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. They cut to him bashing his head on the wall early in the movie in, in Asylum. Mm-hmm. This is before, this is way before the movie is over. Um, and I thought it was merely a flashback. Like maybe he was admitted and then he got out and mm-hmm. was on this medicine. Mm-hmm. But now... It's like, was this whole story in his head while he was in there? You know, mm-hmm. that would be very comic book-like for mm-hmm. a film that seems to be more grounded. It would. Uh, but as you said, the movie had twists that showed that some things were merely in his head. Uh, the, the ending line was, I, I thought of a joke, but you wouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. is the joke the same as The Dark Knight from 2008 that we may never truly know this man's origin? Right. That's actually a really astute observation. You know. I mean, you're 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 a boss for a reason. Okay. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I like that word. I like that road. I'll say. I mean, we ain't getting paid yet. But, uh, <laughs> I'll say showrunner. Okay. No one, no All one's right. getting paid. Okay. Okay. I'll say showrunner. So yes, I really don't know if this is real or not, and that's kind of cool, but also. There have been complaints from other films or, or like TV shows where it's like something will happen and it was, it was just a dream. 
Mm-hmm. And then people get upset about that. Like it doesn't have any meaning. But for the Joker, it's kind of different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's ambiguity. real? Go ahead. Huh? Do you think it was real? Oh. See, at the end, like I I didn't think about that first scene that you talked about with him bashing his head against the 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 wall or the door or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think about that at the end. But at the end when he did say that quote, you know, I, I thought of a joke, but you wouldn't get it. That's when I did start to think, is, you know, is the joke like all of this that happened to him? That kind of thing. So I think at first I did think it was real, but now it's just now I'm not sure. So it's hard to answer that question. I, I Even though I'm kind of kind of don't want to watch it again i kind of do want to watch it again while it's in theater and maybe get better talking about better, it better, makes better me want to watch it again yeah. yeah talking about it has made it seem like a much better film to me i think mm. i was so unsettled when i left the theater last mm. night that i was like i don't know if i liked that and Same. now talking about it i'm like i still don't know if i liked it but i wouldn't mind seeing it again whereas i left the theater last night like oh, i don't want to watch that anymore yeah yeah mm. i could definitely like take a friend who hasn't seen it and go watch it with them mm-hmm. so yeah so let's cut to the use of black women in this movie. Yeah. There were there were four of them, although mm-hmm. three had speaking lines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys counted any other black ladies. I didn't no, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. There so, were three? Four. Four? Three who spoke. And one who did not. One who did not. I'll black I'll, women? I'll go I'll mm-hmm. go through them. Mm-hmm. The the first was his therapist. Ah mm-hmm. okay, never mind. Yeah. So. Actually both of his therapists were black women. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just we're, we're just gonna go go oh, through sorry, sorry. No, you're good, okay. you're good. We're gonna go mm-hmm. through them all, uh, the therapist tried to explain that the city doesn't care about about us or care about, you know, you, you white guy, me black woman, but I worry about white men latching onto the I don't think you ever listen line in regards to like black women sharing their problems and white men f- feeling like their own strife is not being recognized. Because he was just talking the whole time and she was like, and she did kind of ignore what he was talking about. Yeah. Then you had... I guess there there were five black women. I'm sorry. Then we had the black woman on the bus and her yeah, son, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. who who was unnecessarily adversarial. Yeah, yeah that was really that weird. Was really yeah. bad. Yeah, I didn't like that because I remember seeing that that scene is in the trailer. Right. And I remember seeing it in the trailer, thinking, "What did he do that they cut out in the trailer?" But no, right. she's just mad for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think any mom but, would be that. Well, aggressive. maybe, maybe not. But I think also it goes to show how horrible Gotham is. I mm. think it was part of that set piece. Mm. Yeah, True. or setting the scene, rather. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have Zazzy Beats. Mm-hmm. And again, that was the complaint I had to scratch my notes out. Because, yeah, as you all said, like, how is a single black woman supposed to know a much older white man is stalking her and is, and is okay with it. Yeah, like, oh my God, were you following me? Let's have coffee. What? I know. I was like, I was upset. F-? I was like, who raised you? You have a kid, lady. And who wrote this? Yeah, exactly. Ki- exactly. This Does this person know anybody black? Yeah. Like, goodness. And then she accepts the kiss when he just shows up at her door with clown makeup on. Look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When... Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. I was angry <laughs> yeah i was just yeah. i was like this is such a good movie but this is killing all the realism that they're building here yo i was i was uh 
for this show, I was going to make a joke about this being the most unbelievable concept introduced in the DC universe. Exactly. You can have an mm-hmm. alien from Krypton defying <laughs> gravity, but this black woman doing this kind of... Exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. No, never in my life. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, does, do we, do y'all know that sisters don't check for Joaquin Phoenix like that? I mean, no. come on. No. <laughs> when all this happened, like when he did that, I like, I reached down in my chair and I was like, what the fuck? I think the Koreans around me heard me. They were looking at me like, what's wrong? <laughs> okay. Just sidebar. Yeah. I'm trying to limit my bad words. My grandmother wants to listen to the show now. Uh-huh, gotcha. And she told me, baby, I want to steer a show. And I said... Well, Grandma, I, I do use bad words, um, and I, I don't want you to hear that. Oh, no, I, I don't like that. So <laughs> That is adorable. We'll help, keep it clean. Help me out. Thank okay, you. We'll cool. keep it clean. Also, see, you were raised. You wouldn't let Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix just kiss you. No. No. <laughs> no. But, yeah, I think that was the most effective twist for me. Right, because that made everything make sense all of a sudden. So that's three black women. Wait a minute. There's two more. The last oh. therapist, right? Before I, oh, I get there, mm-hmm. I just, just for that twist, mm-hmm. the movie tried to show us that he was struggling in life, but he was doing okay. Mm-hmm. And things were happening to him that accelerated his descent. But that reveal that mm-hmm. she wasn't romantically interested in him, I mean, she definitely existed. I mean, obviously, when he mm-hmm. appeared in her apartment and she was like, uh, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, she didn't even know him. Exactly. Right. I think that reveal showed that he was crazy the whole time. And we didn't mm-hmm. know how crazy he was the whole time. And of course, the. The third person, which didn't really have a speaking part, was the black woman producer who was, while Joaquin Phoenix was waiting to dance, dance out on the Mary Franklin oh, show, yeah. she like looked at him and then like turned away trying to like ignore his white nonsense. Yeah. Well, what killed I me, yeah, I, I saw her. What killed me though, it was hard to pay attention to her because the other, the white guy standing with her was all into the white nonsense. Exactly. Like, do you see this? And she was like, no, I don't. I'm yeah. getting paid tomorrow. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah, I'm over here. <laughs> And of course, the last person was the the therapist. Mm-hmm. And I have some words about her and Zazie. So, can I say something before you say this? One thing that did stand out to me is I don't think there's very many. The only white woman I can think of in this entire film is his mother. Yeah. So this was interesting to me. I kind of feel two ways about this. I'm not crazy about the portrayals of black women in this movie, but there's nothing but black women in this movie, mm. which. I find really interesting. I mean, <laughs> representation matters. And I think in a way, you know, that really shows that, okay, you can have a movie where all the women are black. The only other white woman was the woman on the train. Or, or, or was she Asian? I think, I mean, she... Well, she, she had, was white, yeah. She yeah, was, she had a kind I, of... Well, I don't know, but... Well, yeah. she also, was white presenting. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Bruce right. Wayne's mom. She didn't really have much of a speaking part, but... Oh, that's right. She, she was, was there, there yeah. yeah. But I mean, as far as the women you remember who were really... True. ...had parts... Right. They were all black. That's very The very love point. interest was black. The The... The, the, both of the therapists were black. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's interesting. And most of them were dark skinned too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the third the therapist at the end. Are we assuming that she, he murdered her? Like, that's what like I was about. The blood ask. on her shoes. Oh yeah, because yeah, I think so. I mean, if he didn't, she's gonna be hurting for a while. I mean, he he was literally leaving footprints of her blood. But is it worth it? Was it real? blood or was it just another manifestation of his mind like Uh, were we like a part of his delusion because at that point it's just like you know he doesn't know what's real and what's not 
that's a good point, you know, because when they were chasing him around at the end, mm-hmm. I did think to myself, so nobody's going to check on her. He's clearly covered in blood. Exactly. Maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't really do it. But then what did he really do? He's is this Joker really a deadly supervillain who did all of this hor- who did something horrible? Uh, or has he just been in the hospital all this whole time making it up in his mind? That's a really good question. I want to talk about how the only ambiguous fates are two black women. Mm-hmm. So author appeared in Zazie, in Zazie Beat's apartment. He made that gun sign and she made and she had that horrified look on her face, but it never showed what happened to her at the after that. Yeah, and because of that I asked the question is she real at all? No, I think she's definitely real. Well, I don't know because he doesn't show what he does to her or if he does anything to her. It's just you do hear a police siren in the scene right after that, and I think, oh, he did something, and they're coming. But mm-hmm. there's never any resolution or any under, any explanation of that, which could mean, yeah, he did do something. There's an ambiguous fate. He, she was real in some aspect, or is that his one moment of sanity? Realizing yeah. that she that this woman would never be interested in him. She appeared in the in the elevator. Mm-hmm. I think that made her real. Mm-hmm. I don't think Joker just made some light skinned black woman. Who knows? Yeah, with, I mean, with a yeah. daughter. I mean, yeah, like who knows? Yeah, I think that was mm-hmm. either he made up everything, mm-hmm. or it is real. But I I think she was definitely a real character. Okay. I just I just worry. It was very ambiguous about what happened to the mother and the daughter. Yes. and then of course they never really showed what happened to that therapist either she he could have just escaped that place and murdered another guard waiting outside or mm. something you know you you don't know what what happened to those two black women and obviously the movie was very poignant about showing his violence but never against these black female characters that's a very wise choice i think in some ways but i don't know that it was conscious that's an interesting point though yeah, I don't I don't know the meaning and at all. And frankly, as a black woman, I appreciate it. Yeah. We don't I don't really need to see us being fridged on screen for it to be effective. And also, I think that that's one of the rules of horror where, you know, if you really want to scare people, leave it ambiguous. Mm. Your imagination is the scariest place. So who knows what happened to them? It could be awful, it could not be, but mm-hmm. Yeah, if there if there is violence that's inspired from this movie, it may most likely be against women and people of color, which is unfortunate because the Joker never killed a person of color on screen. Knowing the premise of what we were all worried about before we went to see the movie in order to do this show, I actually was on the lookout for that kind of thing. And I thought that if anything, it was very sensitively done because you never, I almost thought to the point of being unrealistic because this, this very disenfranchised white guy in a very dirty city with obvious ethnic presence uh, who the people who are in charge of his life are these black women therapists essentially and he none of his anger is directed towards them which I think was a sensitive depiction but I don't know how that that actually almost was unrealistic to me Mm. like it never occurred to him to bully or be angry with them I mean this dude kills his own mother but he's not mad at the black lady therapist who denies a medication he was angrier with paperboy but I but I think he wasn't upset with her for denying him the medication she couldn't mm-hmm. give it to him because of, of the funding right it, but I mean what I'm saying is that people in that situation aren't rational it's mm-hmm. very easy to lash out at somebody for their difference in that situation and he doesn't do that and I appreciate it but it was almost unrealistic because I was expecting that to happen 
Well, I I don't think it was that unrealistic. Like mm-hmm. for his character, if you look mm-hmm. throughout the movie, mm-hmm. all of his actions had a reason. Right. He had a reason for hurting people. Mm-hmm. So like in in the case of his his first therapist mm-hmm. and losing the funding and his mm-hmm. medication, like I you know that's not her fault. Of course, okay. and I, that's very rational. I just I guess I was just expecting something different. I guess mm-hmm. because of my own racial baggage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say this mm-hmm. point: the Joker has always been a character with no rules. Yeah. Whereas I believe that this character did have one rule and that he really only committed violence against people who he definitely saw they did something to hurt him. Right. Those those three Wayne employees literally beat him up, tried to attack that lady or whatever. Mm-hmm. They beat him up. He shot him. Mm-hmm. You have the the man who gave him the gun and then got him fired. He mm-hmm. killed him brutally, but then let the little person go. Mm-hmm. And then even... When they made fun of that little person, he kind of had that uncomfortable laugh. I don't think he really wanted to laugh at him, right. but he had an uncomfortable laugh. Mm-hmm. He, he did have empathy for that person. Mm-hmm. So I think his only rule, to, to, to Marquita's point, is he only committed violence against people who really missing mm-hmm. bad to him. Like Obviously, his mother, mm-hmm. even though she was crazy, she mm-hmm. still allowed very traumatic things to happen to him. Mm-hmm. So... On the incel level, like there really isn't like, like the Joker himself has never been really a racist person. Mm-hmm. He's just been narcissistic and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad they didn't take it there. I, th- yeah. I guess what I'm saying is sure, sure, sure. not that it's necessarily unrealistic. I just I was expecting it to go in that direction because of this dark turn they were taking, mm-hmm. and I was pleasantly surprised that they kept all the racialicious all the racialiciousness out of it, which yeah. is good. There was some misogyny or or male entitlement to the character mm-hmm. that incels may have, and that obviously. He imagined kissing Zazie without her consent. He just opens the door and you're mine. Mm-hmm. And he imagined that she would take it, that he could stalk her and that she would be okay with that. He kissed the doctor mm-hmm. on the Mary show without oh, yeah. her, her consent. Mm-hmm. Um, that was he, the only genuinely funny movie in the whole movie, but her reaction. You mean the, the scene? Yeah. yeah. I, did, I did laugh yeah, too. Yeah, because her reaction was hilarious, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But awkwardly so. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, by the time he killed his mother, he was really at the breaking point and he snuffed out, I guess, the last part of his basic humanity. Mm. I like the symbolism with the stairs. Mm-hmm. So when he ascended, it took a long time because they were so long and he endured so much during the day that reaching his mother, who was like his life raft, mm-hmm. ironically, was like the only thing keeping him from snapping. But it was like a struggle mm-hmm. to get there. Mm-hmm. But in contrast, his dancing descent down the stairs at the end was much easier and joyous for him. Hmm. Those stairs are such a fixture in Brooklyn. That's such an iconic thing to oh, really? look at. But it's it's very much yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I like uh, you know the the black meme that had the Joker poster like mm-hmm. snap your fingers, yeah, do your step. Snap your fingers. I and need this somebody movie, to to redo that scene with that that, that soundtrack. It's, I'm not it would, sure it's it possible. It would fit perfectly. Oh my gosh. It's speed it up maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that song, the the real song, couldn't be any more diametrically opposed. Oh no, gosh. I only know Interesting that. soundtrack for this because it was the movie set in 1981, but right. these songs were not from the 80s for the most part. They were all kind of late 70s tunes and even older. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely get, again, that's just great filmmaking. You get a sense the Joker is a guy past his prime. He's kind of stuck in the past if he ever really was there even. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about his dance? <laughs> it's, imp- it's important. It is, but... <laughs> um, a friend of mine, I recently talked to him. He, he talked to me about somatic dance therapy. 
Okay. This went, a, this went in a direction I wasn't expecting. Were you expecting that? No. Okay. Continue. I'm intrigued. Yes, continue, continue. Always expect the unexpected on Blurred Out. Mm-hmm. So somatic dance therapy is based on the soma, or how the body is perceived from within. Mm-hmm. So people use improvisational dance as therapy, like ballet. So this whole movie is told from author's POV, but when he dances, this adds a new dimension to his expression. So we saw him do it in his apartment sometimes. We saw it when he came to terms with shooting Wayne's employees. Mm -hmm. And it all came out in the third act. Mm -hmm. All of this violence to him, it seemed, is like uh, a ballet, a beautiful ballet. Remember his line in the police car when he was like, look what you caused. And he said, ain't it beautiful? Mm -hmm. And the ending song is that beautifully orchestrated Bring in the Clowns. Yeah. Song. Yeah, I'm really annoyed at them for messing up that song by putting it in this movie. Great choice, but oh, I love that song, and I'm never going to be able to hear it the same way again. <laughs> sure. Yeah. His dancing reminded me of Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. It's very creepy. I think the another big question is, how do you feel about the inclusion of the Waynes in this movie? At first, I wasn't here for it at all. Okay. I don't know what you think. Um, it took me a minute. To be honest, I didn't really think about uh, the Waynes being included in the movie when I went to see this. Like, I thought it was going to be directly a standalone Joker, you know, beginning origin story. But I personally thought that it was, I thought it was okay. And like, even though, yes, we all know the, the canon Batman story, his parents get murdered by a gunman in, in alley after the opera. But when when all of that was happening towards the end, when, you know, all the riots were happening, and then you see the Waynes leave and go down the alley, like, even though I knew what was going to happen, I was like, holy shit. Mm. Holy, holy spit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Holy sorry, Grandma. Shout out to Brendan's grandma. <laughs> like, I, you know, we all knew it was going to happen, but it was like, wow, that I thought it was a good way to integrate the the canon story of Batman with this sort of standalone Joker movie. And the fact that the man who killed his parents were the guy was the guy who pulled Joker out of the car. Yeah, Joe Joe Chill. I guess yeah. I assume it's still Joe Chill. I guess. Yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah. I don't know. I had kind of a different thought process with it, but yeah. Tell us. Well, okay. I guess I went through these three stages. Um, number one, so four stages. Number one, I was the same as you. I wasn't expecting the Waynes to show up at all. I This had been billed as not a Batman movie and right. no Batman in the movie. And to me, that includes Bruce Wayne. Then my next thought was, what? Batman and the Joker are brothers and their dad is Joe Biden? What? I mean, right. like, this is weird, right? Very strange. Um I mean, basically. (laughs) Not wrong. Yeah. Um, And then I said, okay, this is actually better than I thought. There's another twist here that makes this seem more interesting. So they're not brothers and it's not that super cheesy trope of the villains secretly being related to each other. Mm. Um, Although I guess your mileage may vary because there were a couple of strange scenes there that could, it could have gone either way. Mm. Um, And then at the end, you know, my I love Batman, but my main beef with Batman movies is how many times do I need to see Martha Wayne's pearls get snatched off her neck? Right. I am so sick of that origin because they do it every single time the exact same way. Okay, great. Mm. It's it's canon. It's definitely an integral part of the Batman story and the Batman character. Um, 
Even though this Bruce Wayne was lame, but even so, I mean, he was a kid, but still lame. Counterpoint. Oh, okay. The other origins were just a basic robbery, Mm -hmm. but this was, again, more personal because everyone hated Thomas Wayne. Right. And he motivated those people to do it. I think it's interesting how, again, Heath Ledger kind of wanted to, not Heath Ledger, but Heath Ledger's character wanted to start a movement, Mm -hmm. essentially, whereas author just murdered people out of out of his own fear and then he inspired something that he didn't even know that that was possible and then he kind of started to be influenced by that itself mm-hmm. and then it pushed him further into right. madness right is this on your docket can we talk about this movement that the joker's business inspired because that's what really worries me not yeah. the hide the whole idea of him being an incel or not or you know kind of like disgruntled white men watching this and using it to justify violence whatever for those but the idea that this this character the joker inspires this revolution now this is an issue i've had with batman movies in particular is that they have a real two-faced attitude towards social revolution mm-hmm. right whereas it's always a tool of evil it's never uh it's Social revolutions are always prompted by supervillain actions, and that was the same here. So like Bane, Mm. uh, I I don't know if I like that. That's an issue that I have. The idea that uh, any any movement that is uh, anti-rich is somehow inspired by evil actions, and um, yeah, I don't don't like it. I also don't like, um, evil is not a mental illness. I don't like how we always, this is just such an American movie trope now, or maybe an international movie trope, really, where mental illness always makes a person evil. Right. He's got to have some sort of diagnosed condition. He's got to have gone off his medication. He's mm. got to have, st- he has to have less access to, um, to, to care, and that's what makes him an evil person. Whereas most mentally ill people, if they hurt anybody, it's going to be themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't love that particular presentation in movies. Just, okay. It's just the same thing where, yeah. like, you know, every time we have a school shooter or a, a mass shooting perpetrator, the first thing the media does is, oh, maybe he was crazy. Maybe he was mentally ill. He needs care. He doesn't need persecution. Well, if he's white, of course. Yeah, exactly. Well, sure, but that's not the cause. You can have a mental illness and not want to shoot people. Most people with mental illnesses do not want to shoot people. So mm-hmm. I don't like that portrayal either. This is an issue that I have. I think that's much more serious than kind of this vague idea that, you know, in, that Internet weirdos are going to latch on to him as, a, as, an, as an inspiration. Yeah. I think that's an issue. But I think the bigger issue is just that this is reinforcing really negative perceptions of social justice and revolutions. And he's being cheered for it at the end, right? Exactly. Yeah. Social justice revolutions and mental illness as a progenitor of evil. Those are actually two things that like I, I wanted to, to talk about, because for me, like the the whole idea of this might in, incite, you know, incel violence or whatnot. I wasn't really thinking of that. But after the movie, I thought like the Joker is so relatable or at mm. least like Joaquin Phoenix's character is mm-hmm. so relatable. Like for me personally, like, you know, I go through a lot of like mentally ill, you know, things with sadness and depression and whatnot. Same here. But it's just like when he, you know, when he lost his access to medication, I felt that yeah. mm-hmm. when he was getting beat down, I felt that yeah. mm-hmm. when people were just, you know, coming at him, like I felt for him. Mm-hmm. I don't want to shoot people, but like he was just so relatable and that 
to me is the real fear that someone this human, this relatable, this could be the person in the apartment next door. And, you know, not saying that the person next to you could become, you know, a supervillain, but, you know, it's so unpredictable. Yeah. This could happen. Something like this could happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, that's the real fear. Yeah. But I, I guess I agree. I think that's a really real fear, but I don't want people to suddenly have the thought that oh maybe this person who has if somebody says they have a mental illness maybe they're going to be violent because that's not the case in the majority of of situations I think right I want to loop back to Bruce Wayne though oh sorry yeah (laughs) no I no I think this is very important Joe Biden um no mm -hmm. not Thomas but Bruce oh sorry Bruce okay why the heck was he so far away from the mansion yeah what was he doing you know i like, don't like his treehouse was Wayne's. Yeah. way far away he's rich yeah. <laughs> i know but <laughs> but but you're also the prince of gotham exactly and, and you're, you're like just, just out there by yourself yes yeah enough that a madman could get you to to the bars mm-hmm. and put his fingers in your mouth right and what do you wait 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 speaking of that this kid has no self-preservation skills whatsoever who just lets a strange man on the street i don't care if it's 1981 I was born in 1981, and I knew you don't let strangers put their fingers in your mouth. What on earth? Yeah, I thought that was strange. I was like, run, kid, run. But then I thought, what kind of kids don't do that? What kind of children yeah, but don't, I don't do think, that? I don't, I don't think that's it. I honestly think it was just bad child, bad writing for a child part. I totally And I agree. think that happens every time you have child Bruce Wayne. I have the same problem with Gotham, personally. I did like mm-hmm. the cool pole descent reference. Oh, yeah, that was cute. When he went down, mm-hmm. yeah, down, down from his treehouse. Yeah, there were a lot of little Easter eggs that referred to I Batman things. I didn't get the reference. I saw you know, it, you but... know, like Batman used to go down a pole to like change, uh... changes his clothes in the old movie and whatever. Okay. I also liked that even though they mostly undid the twist that Joker and Bruce Wayne are related, notice that they all were always wearing uh, color matching clothes. Mm. Yeah, so they were always wearing clothes in the same color palettes, which I thought was interesting. I want to talk about some some other uncomfortable moments. Number one, when he dropped his gun at the children's hospital. Yo. Okay, oh, okay. Sorry, that, there were two funny moments. Yes. Oh my okay. God. Oh. Because <laughs> he was just so naturally like, yikes, and picked it up. <laughs> and I was just like, dude. I thought he was about to start shooting the whole hospital up. I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, but that, but that was what made me laugh because it looked like it was an accident, like no, a genuinely yes, an accident. Yes, like it was. He was. Yeah, but it, but it, he really played that so well because yes. it just looked like, I was yes. like, was that supposed to happen in the script? Like, did they just include that? <laughs> yeah. I laughed pretty yeah. hard about that. And the way the kids are all just like, oh, keep, keep, keep going. Just yeah. They were so not into it at all. Yeah. And, oh, man. I want to talk about his uh, his comedy, uh, his the thing that got that, that thing that got him onto Mary Franklin's show. How he had that uncomfortable laughter. Mm. I thought he was going to bomb. I thought so too. And he, I mean, I don't know if he really did or not because mm-hmm. they didn't really finish it. And notice that Zazzy Beats he imagined her in the audience right. too. Right. So he might have imagined all the cheers. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So those jokes, by the way, a lot of those jokes are like really old stand-up chestnuts. Right. The yeah. whole um, yeah. Nobody's laughing now. Yeah. Exactly. Are they mm-hmm. Are they older than that? Uh, older than like well, ni- like nineteen eighty one. Oh, they're 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 much okay. older than that. Okay, yeah. Well, no, well, never mm-hmm. mind. But yeah. Yeah. I felt so uncomfortable watching him laugh uncontrollably there. Mm-hmm. Mm. That laugh. Okay. 
I was not expecting them to give him a condition that created a, that made him laugh at, at awkward moments. That is a real condition called PPA. Okay. And I wasn't expecting them to give that to him. That was a shock. Mm. So the first scene where he's laughing, I'm like, where's this going? And you right. don't really find out until the next um to the next scene with the weirdly angry black mom where he gives her the card. And I wasn't expecting them to come up with such an interesting rationale for his uncomfortable laughter. Mm. But notice that it disappears and turns into genuine laughter after he becomes Joker, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is off the meds and I'm finally free. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. He kind of turned... Well, never mind. Keep going. Mm -hmm. No, we're good. I'm about out of notes here so mm-hmm. is there anything you guys want to say Cause, his, cause, and we're also yeah. about over time oh, sorry too. his skinniness yeah i think that's important to talk about yes yeah i was shocked and horrified and i thought that it was cg but no that was real you could literally count every single rib, rib. Yeah. it was horrifying to watch it was horrifying to see it was a really effective use of an actor's body yeah um but he really did that, and that was why it was so intense. The shooting was so intense. They couldn't go back and have him lose that weight again. I, I hope he got some sort of, you know, um, Heath Ledger didn't really get the therapy he needed. Mm. And then, you know, we know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that uh, Michael B. Jordan went to therapy after he, he played uh, Killmonger. Yeah, I think a lot of actors do after playing really difficult mm. roles if they can afford it. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, of course they can afford it. I just, I well, just, depends on the actor. It depends on if they're fair. famous or not. True. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really hope that he gets help and I hope he gets back, uh, he's, back on, his, yeah. on, on his feet. He's been on the interview circuit yeah, looking sure. fine. So, yeah. yeah he's, did you did you guys read about the uh, how he kind of ran away from a, an interview? No. Yeah, because he wasn't expecting. Yeah. So someone mm-hmm. asked him, uh, was it a BBC interview or The Guardian? Uh, or, it was, or I don't the remember. Independent. Independent, I think. I, could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. But yeah, he was asked a question about how he feels about the potential of his movie inspiring violence. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? And he left the interview for like an hour mm-hmm. and was like in the other room talking to like Warner Brother PR people. And yeah, what, do, what, is it, what should he say? Yeah. What should he do? Yeah. He came back and he kind of like kind of dodged the question. He mm-hmm. kind of danced around it. But there was that. And then the director, Todd Phillips, said some silly thing like... Why are people angry about my movie, but they celebrate John Wick, uh, who kills like 300 people in a movie? The level, what, what? It's it, not even yeah. a comparison. No, like, yeah, not I at mean, all. Yeah, because I mean, every movie, every other major action piece or comic book movie is more violent than this. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the seriousness. Yeah. You're meant to take this violence serious. And, and, and just, yeah, just this context is really just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's so, like you said, it's relatable. That guy could be your neighbor. That guy could be somebody you know or somebody you're sitting on the bus next to who's giggling at your kid. Who knows? Um, And because of that, it's just it shines a really uncomfortable spotlight on society. Yeah. Which is why I think I want to see it again, because maybe my opinion of it won't be as harsh. It still doesn't necessarily speak to me. But I really do think that this is something that we have to pay attention to. This whole idea of this is what it look. This is well, like I said, we live in a society. um, This is what it looks like when society is cruel and in decline. Yeah. And that's part of why this movie is so unsettling, I think. Because nobody wants to look at that. Mm. I want to go through a couple of quotes before we move on. Again, these are quotes that I think were really good writing, but mm. I'm also concerned about them being on, like, manifestos. Mm. The one that grabbed me uh, immediately, and of course, like uh, Marquita mentioned, I also have uh, a varied degree of depression, anxiety myself, but 
He wrote in his journal, the worst part about having mental illness is people expect you to behave like you don't. Yeah, I saw that. And that hit me hard. Yeah. He, he talked to the black therapist on their last meeting and he said, all I have is negative thoughts. She was she was always trying to check in mm-hmm. on him about oh you know mm-hmm. kind of kind of a very basic broad question but mm-hmm. she wasn't really really deeply listening to him mm-hmm. and I and I felt that mm-hmm. I stopped taking my medication I feel much better now yeah that was a dangerous one mm-hmm. that was a very dangerous one because yeah. so many people believe that don't go off your medication without professional guidance yeah. please people not a good thing there's nothing wrong with medication exactly you don't get upset when you take Tylenol so come on. And then obviously at the end with mm-hmm. uh, Murray, Murray Franklin, I have nothing left to lose. We talked about confessing his, to his crime. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, from, like, you know, throwback to Dave Chappelle, comedy is subjective. Mm. And he talked about how his violence was comedy or his life was comedy. Right. You know, what's interesting is that Todd Phillips was a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. And Mark Maron, who played the overly serious sidekick to Robert De Niro, he's a, he was a stand-up comedian. He is a stand-up comedian still as well. And he they both... He play, the fact that he played the most humorless person in this whole thing was really interesting to me. And the last one, which also really makes me worried about what could happen in the future, the system decides what is right and wrong. And of course, he applied to what's funny too. But obviously, mm-hmm. what's right and wrong, what's violence and what's justified, mm-hmm. or not violence and justified, but what is justified and what's unjustified violence, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, but I, again, I feel like that's not necessarily anything new. I think no, that's always been the justification for people who do socially unacceptable things or people who try and push society in other directions. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. It's hard because obviously violence preceded this movie. Right. Violent Violence preceded the creation of this villain mm-hmm. period. Yeah. But you never know what will be inspired by this mm-hmm. movie. And also it was a conscious choice by a major conglomerate mm-hmm. to do this right yeah. i mean there's been so so much buzz about different kinds of movies there could have been a background movie that they were talking about there could have been a lot of other movies but they chose to put this out mm. this kind of cynical look at life yeah they could have done whatever they wanted but they chose this and so but I think that's where we are, to be honest. I mean, sure. I always, I keep saying it. I've said it several times here. But I think that we, we get the art that we deserve. And the reason that we're in this kind of, st- the reason we're in what you like to call status quo art mm-hmm. is because we're not ready for something different yet. And this is our attempt at being ready for something else. I don't know that it's a great attempt. It's a very well-made attempt. But I don't know that it's going to push. I think it's just a really unpleasant look at, where many of us feel like we are. And I think it's interesting that this was set in the 80s. So in a way, it's kind of saying, well, the decline started way before us. It's kind of, you know, as millennials, we're all born around that time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of layers in that sense. And I would definitely want to see the movie again. It's, it's old, but it's still relevant. Now. Well, it's not that it's old, but it's still relevant. It's that that's when everything began, really. That's when the decline began. That's okay. when the situation that we're in now starts. And in the okay. way the Joker's very symbolic of that, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think they really tried to say a lot. In some ways, it was really on the nose. In some ways, there may be deeper levels there. 
but there's just no hope. And I, like I said, I don't have, I mean, it's it's very mindlessly cruel in a lot of ways. There's no hope at the end. Of, I mean, sure, Batman's coming, but Batman is a billionaire who punches people in the head. Well, I mean, I think what's, I think what's <laughs> more interesting about this is that Walking Phoenix is, I guess he's like, what, in his like, 50s now? So, mm-hmm. so if Bruce Wayne, who was like, what, 8, 10 at the time, mm-hmm. grew up, I mean, he would be fighting the Joker at this point because he would be like 70 years old. Right. But I also think that Joaquin Phoenix is meant to be playing a much younger person who's just had a hard life. Mm. Yeah. I don't think he's meant to be playing in his 50s, oh, given sure. the, given the okay. age of his mother. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But I also... Because mm-hmm. he did look younger when he talked to the therapist at the end. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, as far as that goes, I did have the thought when, I guess, Joe Chill or whoever that guy was shoots the Waynes at the, uh, towards the end of the film. I did think to myself, with all, all these people with Joker masks and this whole Joker revolution, maybe this isn't the Joker. Maybe this is Joker 1.0 and the Joker that Batman Coffee fights cats. is Joker 2.0, who's, mm. you know, somebody in the crowd that day, you know? Kind of like in Batman Beyond where, you know, they've kind of got the Joker gang at that point. So, I don't I'm, thinking, know. I'm thinking more of a standalone complex, the, uh, my favorite anime. Well, really. yeah, it goes to the show. Love it. Um, yeah, we don't mm-hmm. want to leave you guys on a, a bad note. Mm-hmm. Just if anything we can get from this movie is that we're not alone. We all go through it. You know, we're on this podcast reaching people around the world, but, you know, we struggle with things too over here, externally and internally. Just take care of each other, y'all, really. Well, to bring it up, I mm-hmm. guess, if any of you are, can I just like do do something like totally off topic? Please. If any of you are gamers, The Last of Us 2, the trailer <laughs> dropped. It's going to come out February 2020. So I'm super hyped. Oh. I forgot to ask you guys, how do you guys, uh, the trailer for Birds of Prey came out. I watched it. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't love trailers and Birds of Prey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, Suicide Squad had a great trailer with that mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. Of course, the movie was horrible, mm-hmm. but it was a good. It was a good trailer. I mean, DC has always had pretty good trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really like Justice League's trailer. It didn't really get me excited. Mm-hmm. But Man of Steel, I was I was on board mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one, it didn't really do it for me. To be honest, yeah. I was I was pretty I was pretty f like like eh pretty. I just, on it. Yeah, I just have such intense superhero fatigue. I'll go see it probably, but I don't want to know anything about it before I go because I'm tired of hearing everything about the movie before I go see it. Let True. me enjoy the movie as a movie. I don't need to know everything about what kind of, what kind of eggs Margot Robbie ate every morning before she filmed. <laughs> I don't care, right? Yeah. Just let me see the movie. Is the movie good? I don't know. So I'm going to wait and see all of those later. I think one of my Facebook friends said that it from the trailer, it looked like a good movie to pair with joker really no i definitely think it's a movie that's more like suicide squad like looking at the stunts like how he was on like roller skates grabbing Mm -hmm. the back of a car like it's definitely like a more over-the-top silly suicide squad companion than i think Mm. interesting a serious joker movie they're gonna have to do this whole mockingbird origin story and that'll be interesting but yeah yeah we'll see i mean i don't really have I still don't. I mean, this this, this movie, this Joker, uh, this Joker movie was okay, mm-hmm. but I don't really have still a lot of faith in DC at this point. Me neither. I mean, this was. I mean, yeah, this wasn't even really a DC movie in that sense, though, yeah. was it? It's DC technically, but it's not part of the whole DC universe. It's not under that umbrella, right? So. 
even that is being kind of redefined and Jared Leto's Joker's kind of like pushed to the side and of course Ben Affleck's Batman's kind of being pushed to the side yeah, too Henry and, Cavill's and Henry been Cavill yeah, yeah so exactly. I mean like really what is this universe yeah. I don't know we might get a Shazam 2 at some point but beyond that <laughs> whack anyway <laughs> let's not relitigate that <sighs> discussion okay. all right this concludes this episode of Blurred Up. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. You can find us on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. Do you want to be found? Yes, you can find me currently on Instagram at Kitani, K-E-E-T-A-N-I. Please follow, y'all. <laughs> You cannot find me. I am unfindable. No, sorry. Um, so, yes, you can find me at my bookstagram, actually. This is a new thing that's kind of doing its thing at the minute. Equal yeah. Opportunity Reader. I'm having fun there. Come talk with me about nerd books. Yay. Don't forget, we're also on Blur.com. If you're a creator and you want to get recognized, holler at us. Uh, you can email me, bu at Blurred.com. No, no joker laughs. I think you should do yours. Yeah. I feel like I did it when we when I was laughing hard about the uh, what we were talking about. I feel like that is cheating. Do it again. Yeah, do it again. I can't laugh on cue. Oh, really? I'm not but, an you, actor. but you expect us to? Now hold on. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right, y'all. Peace. Bye. Good night. <laughs>